I'm Josh Escovito with Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Scott Hervey with Weintraub Tobin. In May, skate shoe company Vans persuaded a district court judge in New York to halt the pre-sale of a pair of shoes manufactured and sold by Mischief, the Brooklyn-based sneaker design company that previously was sued by Nike. The judge determined that Vans would likely prevail on its claim that consumers would be confused between the wavy baby sneakers and Vans old school sneakers because of their striking visual similarities and packaging. Mischief claimed that its shoes, the wavy baby shoes, were protected First Amendment speech and the district court did not analyze Vans' claim using the Rogers test. Did the district court err in its ruling? We are going to look at this issue on the next installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Here's the background. Mischief and rapper Tyga collaborated on a skater sneaker project, Wavy Baby. Vans claimed that the Wavy Baby shoe design ripped off protectable trade dress of the Vans old school shoes. Vans sued and alleged trademark infringement, trademark dilution, and other claims. On April 15th, Vans moved the court for a temporary restraining order. In granting Vans' request for a TRO, the court looked at likelihood of consumer confusion by only analyzing the multi-factor Polaroid test, which is similar to the Sleekcraft test here in the Ninth Circuit. The factors of the Polaroid test are, one, the strength of the trademark, two, the degree of similarity between the two marks, three, the proximity of the products and their competitiveness with one another, four, the likelihood the prior owner may bridge the gap in the market for the products, five, evidence of actual consumer confusion, six, the defendant's good faith in adopting uh, its imitative mark, seven, the quality of defendant's product compared with the plaintiff's product, and eight, the sophistication of the buyer. The court did not consider the Rogers test. The Rogers test was adopted by the Second Circuit in Rogers versus Grimaldi. There, the Rogers court held that where the defendant's product is artistic or expressive, the Lanham Act must be interpreted narrowly in order to avoid suppressing protected speech under the First Amendment. The two parts of the Rogers test are artistic relevancy and whether the use of the mark is explicitly misleading. As for the first factor, the bar for artistic relevancy is extremely low. As for the second factor, whether the use is explicitly misleading, in most instances, an explicitly misleading use requires an overt claim or an explicit reference to an association with the third party's mark. So did the court make a mistake in not considering the issues in light of Rogers? Interestingly, the court considered mischief's parody argument and determined that the shoes were not a parody. The court said, um, whatever the actual artistic merits of the wavy baby shoes, the shoes do not meet the requirements for a successful parody. Um, now, Mischief appealed to the Second Circuit and a group of intellectual property law professors uh, and the INTA, the International Trademark Association, and others filed various amicus briefs asking the Second Circuit to take this opportunity to clarify what qualifies as a protected expressive work under Rogers. Apparently, the law professors believe the district court judge erred in dismissing Mischief's First Amendment argument. In their brief, they argued that shoe designers mock, comment on, and pay homage to each other. Those modifications are expressive speech that the law should protect. 
The amicus brief lays out many examples of custom shoe designs that are treated akin to works of art and contends that sneakers are an important and fertile ground for art, expression, commentary, and parody. The key for Rogers to apply is that the work must be an expressive work. Now, we have seen the court find a wide variety of items to be expressive works and protected under Rogers. This includes movies, plays, books, songs, video games, sculptures, greeting cards, and even dog toys. According to the law professors, the medium of the work doesn't matter. And it also doesn't matter if the works are sold in commercial marketplaces. What matters is that the works communicate ideas and even social messages in a manner similar to other expressive media. Interestingly, the INTA would like the Second Circuit to confirm the Rogers test applies only to traditional expressive works, not ordinary consumer products like the sneakers at issue. The INTA argues that if the allegedly infringing work is not a traditional work of authorship, but a utilitarian product like a dog toy or a sneaker, then the Rogers test's heightened, explicitly misleading test too strongly shields defendants, except in the most blatant of infringements. So whether you fall on the INTA side or on the law professor's side, at a minimum, it seems like the Second Circuit needs to establish some guidelines for what constitutes an expressive work. And I think at a minimum, the district court should have analyzed whether the sneakers in question qualified as expressive works. I think we've seen the curbing of Rogers coming, or at least some people have. We've covered a case in the district court in Colorado where the court created its own version of Rogers, seemingly in response to its belief that the Ninth Circuit's case of Gordon versus Drape Creative, the Honey Badger trademark case involving greeting cards, went too far. There, the court seemed to take issue with the extremely low threshold of artistic relevancy and really did not analyze whether or not the allegedly infringing works were um, expressive works. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what the Second Circuit does here. We have seen some Rogers creep uh, or some creeping of the Rogers case uh, and uh, the application of its rule to to items and scenarios that are like well beyond what was initially uh, at issue in Rogers versus Grimaldi. And we'll definitely have to keep an eye on this one, Scott. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for tuning into this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and podcast. And for additional content, visit our website at theiplawblog.com. Thanks. Thanks.